Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. Rebecca Mader here, Zelina, the Wicked Witch of the West, and you are listening to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Enjoy, because it's wicked. Can you feel it? You're changing, you're changing, you're changing, all right. I hope you're satisfied. But if you ain't, don't blame me. You can blame my friends on the other side. You what you want. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Facilier's Hat. I am joined by my co host, Operation Cockblock. <laughs> and this is our read of the latest chapter of Once Upon a Time A Taste of the Heights. Um. <sighs> I'm just going to keep rolling past like I didn't hear what you said. All right. So we're going to be getting to our news roundup first, because obviously that's how we always start off these things. Uh, the big news that we had over this past week is that three of our favorite actors from Once Upon a Time are starring in some pilots. First was the news that Josh Dallas, our very own Prince Charming, is going to be starring alongside Melissa Roxburgh from Valor as the male and female leads, respectively, of Manifest, which is an NBC program that's going to be about a missing plane. It's a mystery pilot from the creator, Jeff Rake, of The Mysteries of Laura. Robert Zemeckis is producing it. It's coming from Warner Brothers. And apparently the news on this one is that it's a plane that disappears from radar and returns five years later after being untraceable and presumed lost at sea. No time has passed for those on the plane, but for their loved ones at home, a long five years have gone by. The series follows their personal lives as well as the larger mystery and purpose that is their destiny. Hmm. Josh is going to play Ben Stone. He's a quintessential type A father and intelligence analyst who struggles against what he can't control, whether it's his son's rare pediatric cancer or the mysterious voice that's now inside his head. And then Melissa Roxburgh will play Michaela Stone. She has guilt over a tragic accident and anguishes over whether she's fit to be a police officer and a fiance. When she mysteriously returns years later after being missing, she finds her life with a strange new purpose. Okay, so... This sounds crazy. Like, it's going, like, there's there's a lot of different things happening here. Very interesting. Um, it sounds like Lost a little bit. Just because of the whole, like, pl- the, like, missing plane thing, but then, like, the five years later. It's almost as though they've been cursed. Uh, was it the 4400? Um, yeah, a little bit like that. And, like, what else? What was the other one? Like, what, the event or what? Oh, uh, what's that That's show? That's what I thought uh, of. The- of the event <laughs> or the uh, th- that and then the leftovers right like the people yeah. disappearing so then after that of course we found out that jennifer goodwin 
um, is starring in the ABC pilot Steps, which is about four adults in three different houses who raise three kids after two divorces together. Jenny is going to play B. She's a modern hippie who's in tune with her spirit and who is a great listener. B is a parent coach, making her perhaps the most equipped to handle three kids with her new husband, Paul, her ex-husband, and his ex-wife. Interesting. She has a fantastic ability to understand others, except for the odd times when it fails completely. Oh, P.S., by the way, the news about uh, Manifest with Josh Dallas came to us from Deadline. This story about Jenny is coming to us from Entertainment Weekly. And... That one sounds... Well, this is supposed to... That's a comedy, right? It's a comedy, I think. Yeah, it's a comedy pilot steps, which, you know, I mean, obviously, like, it, there's a, you can infer a lot from that. Um, kind of Well, kind of like with Manifest, too, like Passenger Manifest, um, Manifest yeah. Destiny, like your destiny manifesting itself, like what you can manifest for yourself in terms of thinking and meditation. Like, there's all kinds of stuff happening, which is, like, the title of Manifest. I feel like Steps has the same thing to it. It's obviously about, like, stepkids, stepparents, taking steps together as fan- as a family to figure out how you're going to live in such a situation. Like, I get it. I'm picking up what they're putting down. Well, I'm excited to see Jenny do a comedy because, I mean, we know she has comedic chops. Like, she, in a not, like, slapstick way. Like, she, she has a good sense of timing. So I'm excited to see her really stretch that with this new show. Right. I agree. So I think that's going to be really good. Um, Let's see what else. The big news as well that we got to the latest one, at least, that we got. Wait, 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 wait. You forgot somebody. I'm not there yet. I'm about to do it. Oh, sorry, darling. Can I live? Can I live? Can I live? live? (laughs) All right. Um, the other news that we got, of course, is that Rebecca Mater, Bex, darling, the Wicked Witch of the West, Selena herself, she has been cast as a series regular in the NBC comedy pilot, Like Family. It was written by Suzanne Martin. It's also being produced by Sean Hayes, who stars as Jack on Will and & Grace. And it mm-hmm. centers on Aubrey and Artie, who formed the tightest of sibling-like bonds growing up together in foster care, but they're discovering that such closeness makes adulthood even more complicated. Hmm. Now, it says here that Aubrey, Aubrey and Artie are being played by the same actor, Brandon Michael Smith. So I'm wondering if it's like a twin situation. But, um, but it also well, says... You just described sounds romantic, said, so that's really weird. I don't know. Well, it also says they form the tightest of sibling-like bonds growing up together in foster care. So... Do, like if sibling like bonds, if they were related, wouldn't it just say sibling? So, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, unless that's, you know, like a red herring or whatever, but who knows? Um, but it also says that, you know, Bex is going to play Camille who will do absolutely anything to stay young and beautiful. She writes a rich lady type blog, makes rich lady <laughs> candles, has rich lady friends and rich lady problems. <laughs> yes. I am so excited for this. <laughs> Me too. I think that sounds great. I mean, obviously, like, if anyone can pull that off, I think it's Bex. Because um, she can bring that, she's going to be able to bring that, like, British angle to it, that kind of haughty Britishness, if you will. Well, and she's got uh, a comedy too, so she can really make it She's light fantastic. As well. Like, she's f-ing amazing. Like, she's f-ing hilarious. So I'm so excited. I'm excited for all three of these shows. I think it's so cool that, like, Snow and Charming are both doing pilots. Like, you know, I think that's so sweet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Uh, look for those in the fall if they end up getting, 
you know, sent to series. We got a couple of new episode titles as well. We do have some uh, episode titles. Uh, the penultimate episode is titled Homecoming, and it's written by David H. Goodman. And I think it's interesting because I can't really remember an episode that's only attributed to one writer. So that will be interesting to see. Um, and then the uh, final episode of Once Upon a Time is titled Leaving Storybrooke, and it's written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like, could, like really, that title, but guys, like, oh, my heart. I mean, the sign says, Welcome to Storybrooke. No, um, but the sign when, like, the sign at the town line said Leaving Storybrooke. We've seen it before as well. No, I know. Oh, no, I know that. I no, I'm thinking of God, the big one from the, the pilot. I swear to God, that's the last shot. I'm going to, like, I, I, Girl, murder. don't even, murder. don't you dare. Don't you dare. Murder. Just don't. Just shut up. Just stop. Just, no. No, no. No, no. Murder. All right. Murdering. Ugh. Ugh. Feels. All right. Um, and also, too, just want to give a quick shout out to everybody who was able to support uh, Rebecca Mader's Stay Wicked campaign to support the Lollipop Theater, um, which is a great cause in and of itself. And even if you were not able to support that campaign, you could still get, you know, look into it, um, you know, look up, get some information. And if you decide that that's something that you would want to support, you can do that even without, you know, getting the hoodie for it so mm-hmm. yeah i just wanted to just you know say that that's always a worthwhile cause to support you don't always have to buy something to do it right all oh, right and i think i think too she she smashed her goal like she, oh totally like folks came out like in in droves to support which is awesome to see so i mean i hopefully like you know they open it because they've been known to open up those um campaigns back up um so I just think like I I'm I'm just it's it's very exciting when like you know somebody does it for the first time and everyone's like really hyped about it and like they they show their support and it's like you know supporting a good thing so yay congrats to everybody involved exactly um that's really cool so yeah oh god leaving Storybrooke okay it's fine I don't don't think about it too much because I I keep I keep picturing that stupid town line and I'm like no. It's been a long road. Anyways. Stop it. I, <laughs> God, it was such... I mean, it's a good song, but not right for, like, the intro to Enterprise. Anyways. Um, <laughs> let's get into our review of A Taste of the Heights. It's written by David H. Goodman and Brigitte Hales. And it was directed by Nina Lopez Corrado. Um, oh. Indeed. Another female director. Hey, hey. Yay. Um, Yay. Yep. And we had guest stars in the way of Robin Gibbons back as Tiana's mother, Eudora, and Daniel Francis was there as Dr. Facilier slash Mr. Baron, whatever, Samdi. Yes, that is actually the Loa of the Dead in uh, uh, Voodoo. Okay. Didn't know. So Mm -hmm. thanks for that information. Um, Wow, go you for looking that up. All right. Um, um, I, I, I knew it for reasons. <laughs> we'll roll past that. Just the way that Rollin' By You <laughs> was featured in this episode uh. as part of Tiana's story. Yep, I did it. Yeah, you know it was clever. That's why you're groaning. Mm. Um, there was a lot going on in this episode, I think. I, 
I can't even believe that I'm about to say some of the stuff I'm about to say because it just cracks me up. All right. So first of all, shout out to the writers for recognizing the popularity of podcasts. Um, Mm -hmm. Shout out to them for having Henry turn his blog into a podcast. I think that's great. (laughs) I, I love how it cut to Rumple when Henry was talking about what kind of deals Victoria was making in order to me too i was like "Ooh, show i see you." i see you too and i love it this is why i watch you um this is why we're this is why we're together forever all right um also too i just want to say really quickly about the episode title a taste of the heights it totally makes me think of lin-manuel miranda's play in the heights which is really really awesome and if you ever have a chance to see it if it's performing somewhere near you i highly recommend that you do so because it's a fantastic piece of work very catchy songs and just a really unique outlook on living in Washington Heights in New York city. So I think it's fantastic. Go listen to the soundtrack. It's really, really good. Uh, I mean, it's Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hello. Has anybody heard of Hamilton, which is also a fantastic show. I saw that one too. And Oh my God. Okay. So the first thing that I want to talk about here with this episode, well, over, let's do our overall reviews first, because that's normally what we do on this show. So Ashley, what was your overall view of the show? No spoilers. So my non-spoiler thoughts on the episode. Hmm. See, I'm never really good with being non-spoiler because I start getting really specific. But okay, so uh, here's, here's the thing. I still haven't seen The Princess and the Frog, so I feel like a lot of the references were lost on me. Like, I know enough to know who Facilier and Naveen are, and, I'm, and I, I get the... Tiana, like, I get the Tiana-ness, but I feel like the, like, some very direct references references might have been lost on me. Um. Probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I clicked as much with this episode as I have with some of the more recent ones. I feel like, I mean, there's just a lot going on, and I think part of it is, actually, I know part of it is, is the, the Weaver, um, uh, jones story like the you know the mystery and them sleuthing and doing cop things with the with the cult like i wish that was folded in more to the fact that um regina and zelina are awake like hook's not awake is he i'm right he's he's completely oblivious still i kind of want him to wake up and i want them to kind of join like we already know rumple like is in with regina and Zelina, but he's kind of off doing his own thing. I want them all to work together. And I think that's what my problem was with this episode is that I'm interested in the mystery of the cult and like, okay, what's going on there. And obviously I'm interested in Regina and Zelina, like, okay, we need to do stuff, but we need to be do it on the sly, but I want them to do it together. Cause I feel like you start jumping to too many, like you have your A plot, your B, you, you, yeah, your A plot, your, your flashback plot, your B plot and then like a C plot. And then it starts to get a little too much and it chops up the episode for me. Um, that being said, I do like the developments in the cult murder mystery storyline. The flashback, I was just kind of like, I could have left it. Um, oh, there was like a D plot with this too. Cause you had the, the food truck stuff. Wow. The, yeah. There was a lot going on with this episode. Um, the food truck stuff. <laughs> uh, I mean, it wasn't, it helped introduce a few things with, like, Facilier and all that, but it wasn't, like, I wasn't grasped by it. 
I was highly amused at Jacinda and Henry's, like, date and, like, Lucy being like, yes, no, oh, damn, like, I really, that was fun. <laughs> yes, no, oh, damn, wait a minute, wait a minute, we can't even, we can't even hurt each other, we can't even inflict pain! That is my favorite okay, line from anyways, that movie, that is my favorite line from that movie, um, Isabella Rossellini. Um, but yeah, so I just maybe like tightening the belt a little bit, I think, especially since we have what, 10 episodes left. Um, I'm not saying tightening the belt in a way of making things go faster. I'm saying streamline the, um, stories because we still, you know, and I'm not gonna lie, this is a personal thing. I was like, we still have Alice and Robin, like they're still, they're there and we know that's a thing. Okay. Introduce them now. Bring them back. Let's go. Let's, let's come on. Fairytale lesbians. They're there. They should be well, on no, screen. Well, they, no, they, they, they promised me in our interview that they were going to make it a thing. So I have faith in the guys. Me too, but I also want to see them on screen. Well, I want to see them on screen too, but uh, they told me that there was going to be more of that coming up. And, you know, we have we have 10 episodes left. You can still tell that story with 10 episodes left. Yeah, it's, it's possible. Um, so I have faith in the guys and also, like, in the writing team, and I think that we're gonna—I think they're gonna pull this off. Like I have faith in them. So do I. I'm, I'm just impatient. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I know. I understand. I'm still looking for my gay Disney prince, so I understand. Like I get it. But aren't we all though? That's the struggle with gays. We are looking for ourselves in all forms of media, and we don't always get a chance to be to identify with that's why i'm hyped when they're like we might give elsa a girlfriend i'm like yes yes like i'm not thrilled about frozen 2 but if you're gonna make elsa gay then i'm totally there for that's, it that's, that's the whole thing it's like frozen 2 meh like frozen 2 with girlfriends i'll allow it acceptable all right yeah i'll allow that uh, yeah that's I'll acceptable. Allow it. that's that's fresh and new and different yeah i mean and if that's gonna happen then can we please give olaf a boyfriend because clearly, I'm. I mean, did you say clearly or queerly? Take your pick. <laughs> so, so, um, which speaking of, by the way, you kind of brought something up that I kind of wanted to talk about, like work into the conversation, because, um, something that you said, what basically the point that you were just making, I was looking at the list of episode titles that we have left to go, not just about the fairy tale lesbians, but everything that came before that. Mm hmm. The next episode is called Nightfall, and then there's The Girl in the Tower, which I think is going to be more about Alice than it is about, you know, anything else, maybe. <laughs> um, I kind of get that feeling a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I feel like maybe The Girl in the Tower might be the story that you are looking for. I think that might be an episode that kind of builds on that a little bit more. I'm, I'm just guessing there. Because um, it's also followed by an episode called Sisterhood, which... If we're talking about fairy tale lesbians and a coven of witches, you could kind of, if you wanted to, make like you know, there's a lot of themes of sisterhood going on right now. Groups of ladies doing stuff. That's what I want. Groups exactly. of ladies doing stuff. Right, getting shit done. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that's kind of where you know this is all going. Um, I also think it's really interesting that you know we have the episode breadcrumbs, but then the episode chosen is after that, and then there's the guardian. Dun dun dun. Which, you know, if you think about it, like, what does, who is chosen and what are they chosen for? There's a lot of different things that, you know, that could apply to. Because, and I think it's interesting that the guardian is what follows because it almost seems like the person who is chosen to be the guardian. So it's almost like 
like the titles you know you can kind of infer i mean i'm kind of inferring a little bit i guess that there's like a connection there and then it's almost gonna like be nearly like a two-parter kind of deal where you know there are direct consequences in one episode stemming from the previous one if mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. oh yeah because then and i kind of feel like some of the stories might be reaching their climax at that point because after the guardian is flower child is this henry mills homecoming and then leaving storybrook so you know flower child is kind of like i would i associate that with lucy um because of the garden and secret garden as well in the episode where she you know, See, like i associate that with mother gothel that's also that could also be a thing because mother gothel mother nature flower child you know is lucy the one to be you know go up against mother nature and in that case does that mean that lucy is some you know new incarnation of a fairy tale character herself because if you think about it right like in the past nobody knew that you know when they were like i'm sure that rumple's mother didn't know that she was also giving birth to the beast from beauty and the beast you know what i mean it's not something that they're like <laughs> consciously aware of so it could be a th- like this is going to be a thing right so it could be a thing where like lucy herself is a fairy tale character that we don't know that she is that person yet because you know she hasn't become that person yet um Maybe she has to face off against, you know, I mean, who knows? But like Flower Child, I associate that, you know, I can, I'm more Lucy. I can see why you would say Mother Gothel. There could be a connection between the two. There may not be, who knows? But maybe that's the defeat of Mother Gothel, or maybe that's her backstory a little bit, and it kind of explains things, especially if, you know, they kind of switched it up on us and they've made Mother Gothel the true, you know, big bad of the season instead of Tremaine like we thought it was originally. I miss Tremaine. I'm not going to lie to you. I wish we'd had a little bit more of her beyond, like, what we saw, I think. Um, just because I, I really... I would have wanted a bit more. Yeah, just a little bit more. Um, but it's I still like everything that they did with her. I thought it was great that she sacrificed herself. Um, mm-hmm. And then after, you know, the flower child thing is, is you know, the episode's called Is This Henry Mills? Which some of the dialogue in this episode that we were talking about... Um, as far as like the uh, taste of the heights, you know, they, he had a conversation with Jacinda where she said, you know, he asked her why she always calls him Henry Mills. Like she always uses his last name. And I'm like, I'm wondering if they're building up to a thing where like, you know, after they got married, she kept calling herself Mrs. Mills or something. If there's like some kind of like couples joke between the two of them. I guess, kind of deal. Um, hmm. And I just, I mean, is this Henry Mills? Like, what does that mean? Because that sounds like, what, who would be asking, is this Henry Mills? I feel, I almost, you know, like when I was thinking about it today, um, before we were doing the podcast and I was getting kind of some of my notes together and I thought about that episode title, is this Henry Mills? I actually imagined that it was Snow calling on like the phone or whatever. Oh, oh my god and being like it'd be a great and, way to get Ginny back if she's busy to like at least to, to like record some lines it'll take five seconds something, yeah you know where she's like is this henry mills and then it cuts to a shot of her like from behind like you know her back is to the camera and then she turns around and she's like henry it's grandma like <laughs> and she's like a little bit older you can tell like time has Past, even though it, it, some gray in I that. mean, well, honestly, like, what is the deal with the fact that like they haven't aged? 
Like, Regina and Zelina haven't aged at all. At all. Like, is Snow getting old because she doesn't have magic? Is David getting old because he doesn't have magic either? Like, what does Neil look like now? No juice cleanse for them. Like, oh my god, what if Neil's the one who calls? Is like, is this Henry Henry Mills? Mills? Like, my grandma, my grandma always talked about you or something. Like, oh. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I can't. Or or my grandma. Our grandma. Right. Oh, dude. Wait, no. Wait, 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 wait. wait, No, it's his mom. It's his mom, Henry's grandma. So mom always talks about you. That's right. That's right. God, that's so weird. (laughs) I know. It's really complicated. (laughs) All right. He has to be aged up because it would be really, really weird to have, like, a scene like that. Well, but why is it so But Again, how the hell is Henry's... It doesn't matter. How the hell is Henry's old? Hi, I'm your uncle. I'm fine. Right. Yeah. Like, it's just... I don't know. Or not even his uncle. It's his... No, it is his uncle. Yeah, because it's it's, his... his, uh, Emma's Emma's brother. brother. So, yeah, Henry is Uncle Henry. Oh my god, dude! I think we talked about that back in the Wonder in the in the Oz days. But again, like Uncle Henry, and then Emma would have almost been Aunt M. She's sis M, but still, it's so f-ing close. Like I just I just remembered us talking about that. I remember making that point years. Ago. That was and dude, yes. that was our first year of the podcast. Oh my god! Well, yeah, because I joined season three. That's right. That's when we. Oh my god. Okay. Anyways. And then after that is Homecoming and Leaving Storybrooke, which kind of seem like another two-parter. Like They're going to go back to Storybrooke, and then they're going to go. Right, they're going to go die. to Storybrooke, but then Leaving Storybrooke, like, who's leaving? Why are they leaving? Like, where well, are we leaving, leaving to? Us? Well, the show's over. We got to go. Like, no, like, as far as, like, but, like, the where is the story? Like, where is where are they going? Where are we leaving to with, like, with the characters? Where is the audience going along with the ride? Like, where are we going? If we're leaving Storybrooke, where are we going? Well, probably, probably, I, I mean, who, I, ooh, ooh. Or is ooh, this finally ooh, the thing where the, the wall ooh, comes down ooh. around Storybrooke no, and they no, can no, no, leave no, no, finally? No. And so everybody is like, yeah, let's get out of here. No, like, no, I bet you we're people going, are going to stay. We're going to Paris. <laughs> no, I bet you people are going to stay, but it's going to be like montages of like people with their lives together and stuff. And I would love it if. Um, Alice and Robin, they changed the name of Ronnie's bar and it was like A&R like bar or something. And you see like them tending bar and like, like, I feel like it would be split between the Heights and well, no, it's so far. I don't know. Actually, Jesus. Yeah. Seattle's the other side of the country from Maine. Wow. That that means that they're going to go cross country for this. I mean, if, if we're right, dude, wait, I just realized something. The guardian, is that going to be the episode where Rumpel dies? Nah, I want. Uh, I mean, his happy ending is. Or is he right going to make it to the Bell. end? His happy. Well, no. I mean that. Well, no. I mean, if he dies, then he does get his happy ending. But well, like, does I'm that saying. mean that that's when he finally goes? Like, was that when Rumpel finally bites the dust? Well, that's what I'm finally, saying. Finally, after three hundred years. That's what I'm saying, though. Is that like? I mean, I, a yes, I would like to see that, but also B no, I want to see him in the finale, like. Maybe, I don't know, yes. closing I mean, up well, shop and then, like, it's like, you, you can go when you please or something. Like, you know, you get an extension, you gotta wrap this, this shit up, and then you can go and he, like, walks out of the pawn shop and disappears in, like, one final puff of smoke or something. Hmm. Well, no, because, right, with, no, because, you know, because the Guardian thing, right? Because then again, I was just saying, then the last four of Flower Child is this Henry Mills homecoming leaving storybook. So the Guardian, again, kind of, like, implies that 
that's going to be the like the curtain for some people and i think rump that that's when rumple's going to go like rumple's finally going to die in the guardian and and that'll be the and it'll be he'll sacrifice himself to save whoever everybody perhaps and do the heroic right thing even though he's kind of been a dick all season as the as the cop i mean he'll do the right the, thing part for the course though let's be part for the course exactly right so it'll finally be a thing where you know he dies in sacrifice to save everybody else and then the last four are kind of like wrapping everything up slash dealing with whatever residual threats there still are slash building up to the big you know thing in the end whatever that ends up being like maybe henry has to slay the dragon this time who knows like Oh, it would man. be awesome if there was some kind of if there was some kind of reference back to a land without magic, the oh, first season finale. God. I would be totally fine there with that. Be so like... many, there better be so many damn ass pilot references. <laughs> like I like. Oh, dude. Uh, oh, dude. You know what? I bet. I wonder if in Homecoming they're gonna do like the when Henry the and shots. Emma arrived in town for the first time. Yes, the oh. shots all over again and with the music on. Dun, 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 oh my god, dude. And, like, he, he slams the car door, and maybe the sparks don't fly from the Transformer, but maybe something else happens. Something else will happen, and then, like, Emma will walk over or something. Like, I'm just kidding, because at that point, I don't think Emma, or I don't think Jen would have been able to to make it. But wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a hell of a surprise if all of a sudden Jen showed up on once way before, like, before the finale in one of the episodes? That would like, be something as a that secret? they would do. I could see them being like, hey, 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 got you. Right, like it's all secretive and shit. Oh my god, I would love that. I mean, they I would they, so they okay hid Bex under like a towel for like weeks before like she was revealed. That's hilarious. So. Just uh... there's so many people that they need to try and get back for the finale. Which I mean, like it makes me think of the the hundredth episode in season five when they had like all of the guest stars in the underworld. Mm-hmm. It's very kind of similar, and it was like Regina's birthday, and I thought that was great. Um, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit, which like the blind witch was there too, which is a great segue because the blind witch was in this episode also. I was like, I was like, ooh, ooh, what you doing there? What are you doing? Well, here's the thing. Like, here, what did I write down for my note on that? I said, okay, so I love how she told him that she need they needed to go visit the butcher next door because I was like, okay, so if you need to go see the butcher and then she is the baker, where's the candlestick maker? I instantly thought of Bo Peep, but maybe that's because I've been rewatching Deadwood and the actress who plays Bo Peep is Calamity Jane on that. But I was like, Warlord Bo Peep. I was more like Butcher the Baker, the candlestick maker. I'm really interested because you mentioned the Blind Witch and now she had like. The- Super obvious tattoo at 12 o'clock, but also, like, the doctor was part of the coven. I was, I'm, so now I'm like, who was she then? Which, 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 which? Yeah, right, which, which? Mrs. Witch, perhaps? Ooh. Was there a wrinkle in time that occurred? Oh. I don't know. There is a such thing as a tesseract. There is such thing as a, like, and not only is it in, like, Marvel movies with Captain America as, like, an Infinity Stone, but it was also a thing in Christopher Nolan's Interstellar, and then now, you know, you just bring that up, too, like... The OG Tesseract. The OG Tesseract, right. I haven't seen that movie, I still haven't seen it. I need to see... Which one? Interstellar? Uh, Or Wrinkle in Time? Wrinkle in Time. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it yet, either. I need to use my movie pass. Anyways, um, so the first thing that we need to talk about with this episode, according to Ashley is Regina and Dr. Facilier. Ashley, take the floor. Go. Nope. I, eh, X, no, eh, 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 no thanks, no way. 
Get it out of here. Not a fan. Stop it. Like, delete. No, thank you. I just, and it's not just because, like, I, I personally maybe still mourning Robin Hood just a little bit, like, whatever. But it, it's, it's... You're not alone. It's, well, it's, it, it's, it's several things. First off, it's A, like, Regina is 999% a goodie now. So I don't like the fact that, like, this baddie is like, hey, what's up, babe? And, like, like she's like, that she's, yeah, that she's like, like, totes about it. But the, that she's also about it, apparently, from the end of the episode when in Hyperion Heights. I'm like, also, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But not only that, like, also the fact that he's, like, alluding to, like, some past romance and they're, like, old flames or like, we have seen every second of this woman's life. When did this happen? <laughs> like, where did she find time for this? I hope, I wish you could see the hand motion I'm making with the swerves and the up and the down. Because when did she find time to, like, go to the bayou? Like, and, and like, isn't he, like, of that story and not of the other story? And, like, why is, like... She not surprised to see him in this other world and not her fairy tale. Like, I, I'm just so that that bit of it. I'm just like, okay, whatever. But also, quit just poking like, holes in the plot, Ashley. Poke, poke, poke. But also, no. But it's also really is like, I mean, the, there was a whole big thing about after Robin died of Regina, like coming to terms with loving herself. And in a way we did get Regina and Robin happy ending with the evil queen. We don't want to talk about the evil queen that much, but the evil queen and Robin in the alternate forest. But so I don't, I don't know. I just like, part of me is like, I kind of don't want her to have another love just because a yes, move on love again, as Daniel said, but this I feel as if this will all end in tears again, and I just don't want to see Regina Mills get her heart broken again. I, and I'm like, normally I'm like, you know, drama happens in a story, I'll roll with it. But at this point, I'm just kind of like, nah, nah, I don't know. I'm not feeling, I am not feeling it. I'm kind of like, nah. What do you think about it? Because I know I, I have clearly have very strong feelings of, uh, uh. And also maybe, okay, we'll get to your feelings in a sec. I have more to say. Um, (laughs) Also, because it's, it's, it's so very sudden where like the whole Robin Hood thing was like, it was, that was a, that was a tasty slow burn right there. Like I was like, yes, yes, I am on board with this. This was like a boom, it's a thing. You like, you had enough time, like it was introduced and then it was happening. And I know we have a very finite amount of episodes, but I'm just like, no. So anyway, how do you feel? I mean, I like it. I th- I think that the two of them together is is kind of hot. I think that they've got some pretty sexy chemistry, some sexistry, if well, you will. I I I will I will not deny that, but like it's just the fact that like she has tried so hard to be a goodie, and like he's very much a bad. Well, she's still got because, but you know what though? It would make sense that she, that he would be like the Danny to her Sandy after like you know she's gone all other. Tell me about it, stud. Like he's she's that's. I, like that's where Regina's at now. She's but like a never... bad girl gone good, but you can't. I mean, she's still the fucking evil queen. Like, 
she still has that in her. She's still that person, even though she's a good person. Like, she proved that in this episode when she was still ready to throw down. Like, she's always ready to get in a fight. Like, Regina's always ready to, like, like, you know, like, Regina's, like, now that they're in Hyperion Heights and Regina has a bar as Ronnie, like, basically, Regina is that bitch who will, like, like, slam a uh, bottle against the counter and, like, cut your ass with it like that's who regina she, is like she's, she's always going to be that person she's the woman who starts taking off her rings and her her earrings and you're like right oh, no. not oh, even no. like not even like she's because regina's latina so she's is, got that fire like, i'm gonna cut you with right it. Yeah. like right like she's a, gonna fuck you up i had a friend she had a fighting ring she would wear out she's like oh that's so pretty but it's huge and she's like yeah i know it's in case i hate to mess somebody up and i'm like i can't tell see? If you're joking see well no i'm right I'm so, sure she wasn't. I'm sure she wasn't either. So Regina's the same way. Like she'll always cut a bitch. Like she's always ready to fireball some motherfucker. Like she just is. That's who Regina is. Yeah, but I mean, but the thing though, she'll she'll fireball people for the side of good. Like sass does not equal like I'm totally gonna steal somebody's safety permit because I am moving and shaking behind the scenes. Like But Regina also has been through the path of redemption and she knows that it's not a cut and dry paced situation with everybody and that things can be different and you know, we don't know if for sure I mean there's still like, you know, there's still like she there she has a level of understanding. She can identify with the you know, a villain in their struggle because she's still know, she is like, one. Like But every time that somebody like remember when Mommy Dearest tempted her with magic and she was like, I'm being I'm an antagonist an antagonistic listen to me i'm being an antagonist not a true villain in season two but my mom came into town so now i'm going back because magic is like a drug and i'm about to get up on it and then it was bad and it set her back for a while more i don't think this is going to set her back i think that regina has evolved no. too much and they're not going to send her back i think it's no, i, I mean i but, either, but, but regina time, like at like... this point like you know she like she had daniel who was a total good guy you know whatever she and then she had robin who was also like you know basically a good guy and he was her true love okay maybe like that's the whole case but then he died so if uh... now she's going for somewhat of a bad boy and if that and you know and they can kind of balance each other out like if it's a yin and yang thing where she's more light with a dash of dark and he's more dark with a dash of light and they are that for each other then that totally makes sense because they're both and life is both that would except for the fact we have not seen the dash of light like not yet uh, the just, flashback I, is coming i assure you i don't know he uh, i i don't like it the flashback is coming just as sure as Naveen is with his big shiny spear. Uh. <clears throat> okay, is that a princess and frog thing, by the way, that she was so antagonistic towards him? Like, was that, like, oh their relationship in the movie? Because I didn't get why, like, Tiana was like, I really hate this. Like, everyone, like, really, like, was ripping on Naveen, Naveen and I was like, oh, jeez. Because in the movie, Naveen is kind of, like, not a desirable mate. Like, I mean, as per the usual, but he is not, I mean, he is very, like, he's really selfish and self-centered, and their their entire relationship in The Princess and the Frog is probably the most antagonistic of any of the princess-prince relationships in the Disney animated film. Like, that's just the way that they are. Like, that really okay. is how they are in the movie. Okay. Which, you're, again, you're not going to get the reference, but, like, not that it's necessarily talking about the conflict in between them but or the conflict not in between them but the conflict between them but um there were things like firefly island that was totally sweet that was really cute um 
you know, talking about, like, the alligator, you know, being there, like, Louis the alligator, like, who wants to play the trumpet in the movie. You know, I was kind of, like, hoping that there, I mean, I didn't catch it, I might have to watch it again, maybe, but I was hoping that there'd be, like, a Mama Odie reference, but, like, and, and the fact that, you know, when she was going off on it about, like, you know, if... If I fail at this, you know, nobody is there. To, when Sabine, I should say, is talking to whatever his cursed persona's name is. I can't remember. Nick, is it? I don't remember. Drew. Uh, no, no, Drew. Thank you. When she was talking to Drew about the fact that she put all of her money into this business. And if she fails, you know, nobody gets to bail her out. And he never is going to know what that's like. That kind of whole thing. Like, that's exactly what their dynamic is in the movie. Because she basically comes from... You know, she's living there. She's living in New Orleans, in New Orleans and Nolens. And her dad is like a really hard worker. And, you know, he dreams of opening a restaurant one day. And and then, you know, and when and when she's a kid, you know, he's still around and it's clear that they have a really great relationship. And then when she's an adult, he's passed away and she's working really hard as a waitress and never lets herself have any fun because she's trying to save up money to, to open her own restaurant. And then. She goes to a ball like a like a southern you know com- like a coming out party gather you know, Debbie thank you she goes to a debutante ball thrown by her friend Charlotte and is Charlotte um, the one that's in all the memes? Yes, she's the one in the pink dress, the blonde ah, the okay. blonde white girl. So you know she goes to the thing to a party th- to the debutante ball thrown by her Charlotte, and then that's when she meets Naveen as a frog. And then he tells her that, you know, he's really a prince and that he's got all this money and stuff and he's looking for his princess. And if she kisses him and releases him from the spell um, that Dr. Facilier put on him, then, you know, that's, I mean, then, she, you know, he'll be all right. So then she kisses him and instead of him turning back into a prince, she turns into a frog. And then, like, they go and then they go out into the swamp and they meet, like, Louis the alligator and... He it's he's basically like supposed to be like Louis Armstrong, right? Like a reference to that. He wants to play the trumpet. Like he plays the trumpet. He wants to play in a human band, but he scares everybody. There's like a whole musical number. It's a thing. Um, there's a flyer. There's a firefly named Ray who has the song "Ma Belle Evangeline," which is so sweet. It's like one of the best songs that it has. Like you have to watch it in context for it to really be as emotional, especially with like the payoff at the end. Um, which I don't want to spoil for you because it's really like a sweet thing, and it also is I was like, say, like I don't need to watch the movie. <laughs> and it has, and it, and it's also like it, it references another Disney movie too. Like so, it kind of mixes it up in a way. Like it, a very familiar movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Like it's there's no you can't miss is it. Is it a Little Mermaid reference? Because no, like I can't. Nope, 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 nope. Not even close. So I mean, well, kind of close, I guess. It's but not really, not really at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just really good. And then, you know, like, they meet Mama Odie, and Mama Odie is supposed to be the one to be able to, you know, turn them back into humans again. And in the meantime, Facilier is, like, you know, trying to use his friends on the other side to do a bunch of voodoo nonsense. And and he he transforms, like, Naveen's footman or whatever into a copy of Naveen and tries to pass him off as a prince so that he can get all the money and stuff. Like, this is Facilier's whole plot. Um, because he's also trying to fulfill his debt to his friends on the other side so that his soul doesn't get sucked into hell, essentially. Um, and then, like, and there's a whole musical number about that. The awesome thing, too, is that whenever Dr. Facilier is in his house and his shadow casts on the wall, like, the wallpaper only where his shadow is turns into skulls. It's pretty neat. Um, 
And then, you know, in the end, a bunch of stuff happens and, you know, <laughs> happily ever after. So it's just really, I mean, you really should watch, like, it's really, and like, it's, <laughs> it's such an underrated movie. It really is. Like, The Princess and the Frog is a fantastic movie, and it's so underrated, and I hate, like, that it doesn't get more attention. Um, I mean, obviously, it's different now because, like, there, it has some more to do with market saturation, I think, because the like, animated movies, there's so many of them now being produced by so many studios and coming out with such frequency and and not only that, but then like even live action movies are basically becoming a mix of live action and animated because of all the CG effects. So you have so many, you know, topics of spectacle and objects of spectacle in front of your eyes all the time coming out weekend after weekend that everything just kind of starts to run together because it's always on to the next thing and it's coming out, you know, faster and faster and more often, depending on how much money they throw at it, it's just crazy. But anyways, like, The Princess and the Frog is just a fantastic flick. You should definitely watch it, Ashley. And anybody else who hasn't seen it, which I can't imagine that you would, but then again, I never thought that I'd be talking about an episode of this, ep- you know, Once Upon a Time with Ashley, and she hasn't seen a movie that it's based on. I mean, you haven't seen Tangled either. Like, you're missing half of the stuff of this season. Like, I can't well, no, even believe but I think it. that I think that creates an interesting discussion between the two of us, because while you're explaining this, like, you know all of, like, the deepness about this movie. I yeah. don't like, and I'm just like thinking about the two different perspectives we bring then. Cause I don't have the understanding and I'm wondering, I mean, obviously Snow White is something that's kind of permeated our culture for a long time, but mm. I, I kind of wonder if somebody for some reason, question mark was not familiar with Snow White, would they have gotten as much out of the first season as we did. So it's kind of interesting. True. I mean, that's a fair point, I guess. I'm not getting as much out of it or understanding the relationships as well as as you are because you're familiar with the source material and I'm not. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of different, the source material, too, because, like, in Once Upon a Time, Robin Givens plays her mother, Eudora, and in the movie, it's, like, in the animated movie, it's Oprah. So there's a difference for you. Oh, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that, I'm sure that that's a guest star spot that you just, you know, not <laughs> enough money in the budget for that one. So yeah, um, let's. But yeah, I mean, I just, I really like. I mean, I've we've kind of talked about this in the past how I like Tiana seems like a real strong point of this season to me. Um, oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. and Mikia Cox, Nikia Cox, you know, she, or Mikia Cox rather, she she keeps. I mean, she's selling it, man. Like she I really, really she, I, I really like the fact that she had a focus in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was nice to see her take the center of attention in this and to be leading and, and to see what she's like as a ruler, as a queen, you know, as a great black queen in the story. I was like, yes, girl, go ahead. Writers. Okay. Like you're getting it. Um, you know, they referenced another black queen. They threw Beyonce in there. There was a Lauren Hill reference. Like, I'm like, okay, like y'all are selling. Okay, I'm here for this. Like, you're giving me references to music that I love now and loved back in the day too. Like, girls, you better watch out. Do wop that thing. It's such a great song. Oh, Killing God. them softly with the Fugees. Oh my God, oh, the oh, that, that thing, that thing, that thing, that thing, that thing. It's such a great song. uh, Sister Act (laughs) 2. Right? Oh my god, yes, me too. Oh my god. Joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore thee. Anyways. Joyful, joyful. No, we adore thee. In my life, they'll put none before thee. Oh, yeah, the whole thing. Oh god. I love that movie too. It's so, like, isn't that such an interesting dynamic though? Just real quick sidebar, everybody, sorry. But, like, the difference in Sister Act 1 and Sister Act 2 is immense because in Sister Act 2 that we're talking about right now, we're talking about the sisters getting this choir together and trying to save money, you know, get them off to the 
the performance hall so that they can sing and do the thing so that they can save the school. And it's like a neighborhood thing, a really uplifting tale. Versus in the first movie where Dolores is hiding out in the convent because she watched her gangster boyfriend kill somebody. And like, what? Like, then they try to come try to kill her. Like, there is such a contrast between the two Sister Act movies. It's absolutely insane. Well, also the one that where they made, though, I feel Sister Act 2 didn't come that far after Sister Act 1, but production-wise, it was very much a 90s movie. Totally. And I feel like Sister Act was very, like, 80s in a way. Like, that I feel late like 80s, it was early like, 90s. You know what it gives me? And it's funny because she's in that movie, too. Like, it gives me, like, a go- like Sister Act 1 is more, like, ghost and Sister Act two and and it, Sister Act two is more like Richie Rich. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, well, it is, and that's the thing. It is a very, very like has a '90s feel to it, and it, it's very much about group of diverse young people saving a thing with like a you know well-known actor or actress who is their leader, but also is on their level and like stuff. That is very '90s. Do you know who's in that it, movie? It's by so the way? '90s, huh? Uh, Dee Dee Magnell Hall. Shut Pearl. up! I shut, will shut up! Nothing. I will shut nothing. <laughs> I will shut nothing. Okay, Operation Cockblock. I can't believe that she is in that. Oh my god, that's fantastic! She is, she's, she's I'm like, gonna have she, to go you know, watch like, her now. She's a teen. Like this is like one of she's she's a baby. Oh girl, she's in some episodes, yeah, or in some scenes rather, yeah. By the way, you guys, in case you didn't hear, because we were like talking over each other, the actress that we're talking about, she is the voice of Pearl on Steven Universe, and that's like totally her thing. So. And- that, Pearl's that's my what favorite, we're and here. I get so much crap for that, too. Right. How do you not love Garnet? Garnet is the best. Okay, Garnet's a gimme. Everyone loves Garnet because she is the best. Like, I, Garnet okay. doesn't oh, okay. count. So, when, when you are talking about your favorite crystal gem, you don't, Garnet just doesn't count. Like, ever because, like, Garnet is... Garnet's freaking Estelle. But you, know? you love Peridot, though. Oh, my God. My little angry green space Dorito. Are you kidding me? How can I not love Peridot? <laughs> little angry green space Dorito. Let's think about that for about five Dorito. seconds. I Peridot guess. is me when I'm at an event. Like, you've seen me stomp around the halls of Comic-Con. Am I not Peridot? The, yeah, you totally are. And you literally were one time when you did the cosplay. So, I, I mean. I'm, I'm, using a, I'm using a dictaphone right now to help record this podcast. I mean. Okay. Clearly. I mean, seriously. Oh, my God. Clearly, you sound Zach. like her. Oh my god, you sound just like her. That's nuts. You need you to do a video. Quad. Wow, Don't Ashley. You know the... Wow, Ashley. Okay, Diamonds I'm done. Will come I, I can't and save you. me from your cloddiness. Okay, Bellary you're done. You're totally done because it's creepy how much you sound like her. So you're done now because that's ridiculous. I don't understand why you're not working for Cartoon Network. Maybe if you move to California, that could be a thing. But anyways, we're at like 23 minutes now. Oh, God. Let me. Sorry. I just dropped that. Sorry. My bad. (laughs) So let's keep going with our with our discussion of the episode now that we have taken a little tangent into something else. Um there is the fact, yeah, like earlier we were talking about Dr. Sage. She was in the coven. Who else is, and then the blind witch, the baker, whoever right. she is, she was also in the coven. Okay, legit, like, who legit else is in the coven? Us. Okay, legit tweet us who else you think is in the coven, A. Legit tweet us who you think Dr. Sage is, because I have no clue. Tweet us those things, because I want to read tweets and talk about them. Another thing that I really loved was, um, it's a quick little, the exchange at the end when Rumpel came in and finally admitted that he was awake, 
Yes! Fi finally, like, finally, please. yeah, thank God, like, finally, we're at that point where we can just, like, dispense with all of this nonsense and get yeah. down to, like, business here, reuniting the cast and making everybody awake and everybody who needs, like, they should all have, ma like, they all have their magic, so, okay, let's f***ing do some shit, can't, like, That's I know you're in a land without magic, but for God's sake, like... That's why I was getting, like, super, super salty about, like, the fact that Hook is not awake, I'm like, awake, because it's like... Bruh. Come on. I mean, I like... I mean, I, ha I have... No I mean, I'm, I like Nook, I guess. Um, <laughs> oh, I like Nook, too. I'm just... I just, like, it, it's weird now that they're, like, you know, they're having their own little, like, powwow, and he's gonna be, he's like, oh, my God, a Louise Gardner, oh, my God, I don't know what's going on, and it's like, bruh, you know? Yeah, like, dude, I don't know how to tell you this, but there is a town in Maine... <laughs> You've never where, been there, but <laughs> like you've never been there, but every fairy tale character you've ever known is trapped between worlds. Like, anyways, including um, you, dude. You were including drunk you in 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 a fairy tale land, and you were old and fat, and you're Captain Hook. Like you're, but you're not the real Captain Hook. You're like a wishful copy. It's complicated. Read the book. They exist everywhere. Let's move on. Oh, speaking um, of that, the... though, I legit expected that book to, like, when the door opened, like, I was right there with Lucy, and I was like, that book's gonna be in her laundry, there it is, oh my god, but I'm kind of Dude, wondering... when that closet door opened, I was more like, this house is clean, like, I was so like, <laughs> I... girl, be careful, Carol Ann, don't look at the light! That, okay, that also did cross my mind as well, because the poltergeist, that damn clown for the poltergeist like traumatized the shit out of me as a kid but it yeah, traumatized that, everybody that closet definitely did look like the closet from poltergeist yes it did i was creeped the f out man but seriously though like how did a page from the og book get into her book a number one. well how do we know that's from the how do we know that's from the that can't be from the og book because the og book had like it had an ending you're like, right. Henry so read it from, out loud. Like, volume two or whatever is his like you know collection of books. Or it's just like author sorcerer magic in play. I also, like, but I do like. Magic, I like how like basically the, the the author powers that be were like, no child, you must cock block the adults. Because <laughs> she was all like, I'm. Gonna well, go but I was confused by that because isn't it a thing where like. It not that curse like broken now because Victoria paid the price for Lucy to wake up and it was one or the other? No. Or am I Because Hook's oh. not awake. But that doesn't matter. The thing between Jacinda and Henry is over. Like, isn't the threat to them done now? I don't think so because, because... I don't know. I thought, that, I mean, I thought that when Victoria sacrificed herself, mm -hmm. that when Tremaine sacrificed herself, that that, and Lucy woke up, that that was, like, the end of the thing that made it so that, you know, if if they didn't break the curse, then Lucy died, and if they did, then Henry would. Like, mm -hmm. is that still in play? No, because the reason she put her to sleep was to wake up Anastasia. Anastasia. So I don't think that had to do anything. Well, okay, hold on, back up. The reason she did the curse was to get to Anastasia to wake her up. But the way to wake Lucy up was for her to die. But I guess, I don't, I think it has something to do with the fact that um, Mother Gothel, like, juiced up the amulet. 
I don't know. I feel like it may, may have, like, segued around things. Because I feel like the curse isn't 100% broken. Otherwise, like, Alice would be awake and... Well, Alice is kind of awake, but she'd be more awake. And, like, Hook would be awake and, like... Uh, Jacinda would be awake and Tiana would be awake. Does that make sense? I mean, I guess. I'm still kind of like... I mean, I don't know. I'm confused. Which, I mean, it's me, so it's not like that's difficult to do, but... Um, no, I think, this, I I, think that the first curse is still on it's still cursed okay i accept it getting back to the conversation between rumple zelina and regina <laughs> when he's showing them the pictures of the dead dr sage and then regina's like it looks like tattoo removal apparently in my cursed persona i've made some poor decisions i mean who loves Def leopard lyrics that much had to be done i love the way she said had to be done and then afterwards, when Regina said, someone's killing witches, and then Zelina said, well, pour some sugar on me. I was like, oh, my God. I knew you'd li- I like, I, I cackled at that. And I was like, ooh, Zach's going to like that one. Yeah, I did. Like, I, I, I love that song for one thing. So I was like, all right. And then for, when Zelina was doing it, all of a sudden, like, it, it brought to my mind, like, the unseen, like, the things that happen in the land without cameras off screen where... Mm-hmm. Like, like Zelina, like where Kelly and Ronnie were getting together, singing that song in karaoke together, totally wasted drinking whiskey one night. And like, you know, like basically like living as best friends, but like having like that close sisterly relationship and not even realizing that they were actually sisters because they were cursed. Mm. Um, Just stuff like that. Like, I just think, you know, like, I don't know. I just think that I, I thought that was just really fun. It was a fun little exchange. Um... Oh, and also, too, about Lucy in the closet. I'm glad that you brought that up. I forgot that I was going to make a couple points about that. For one thing, again, we've spent enough time in closets. Don't go in the closet, girl. Poltergeist, the whole thing. Like, we've been over that. But also, I love how when she opened it and nothing happened, she was disappointed because I was like, oh, like, she was probably hoping for, like, Narnia or something. Like, no, she was hoping for the book. She knows Henry's story inside out, left, right, and center. That's how the book was guess. appeared to Henry. Like, I, so for, I, was, I was disappointed, too, because I was expecting to see Once Upon a Time. On, like, sitting on her hamper. Oh, I don't know. I thought it was there was, like, a Narnia thing there, too. And I was like, okay, that's cute. So, again, differing perspectives. Oh, also, too, about Robin Givens. The wig has improved. <laughs> the wig has improved. I, I, and I saw that, and I thought about you as well. <laughs> I uh, want to make sure that I give that shout-out. Because that first wig, whoo, girl. That was not, like, I'm, ooh, curls. Like, clearly, they were, like... Somebody from Scandal or How to Get Away with Murder was like, do y'all need a wig? Because, or do you need a hairdresser? Because we can send one of our girls over there. Like, <laughs> just kidding. But, like, it, it has definitely improved. Um, also, too, while we're on the subject of the fact that Robin Givens' wig has improved, I loved the dress that they had her in. And more to the point, I loved Regina's dresses. dress and yes. Cinderella's dress. Yeah, all of all the, dresses the dresses were a win. Were really great all of them. in that scene. I, 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 they I, were great. Silver is such a good color on Regina. She needs to wear it more. It's interesting that she was in silver, like that she was, so, it was so different from how she normally looks that I was, I mean, I loved it, but I was like, why that color in particular? Like, you know how I am with color for people who don't know, perhaps um, I'm obsessed with color and symbolism, especially on this show. So 
Um, that was that was the moment. That was the scene, though, when she was against Facilier. So it was probably to emphasize how she's not the evil queen and not wearing her blacks and purples and reds. But see, she was wearing it when she went to go see him in Hyperion Heights. She had, it was leopard spots, like, which basically, oh, Ashley, the answer is right there in the costume. A leopard doesn't change its spots. She was wearing leopard print. Uh, She's still the evil queen. It's right there in the costume, girl. So, I mean, well, case, hell. you know, case dismissed. And then not only that, but she still had the little lapel that had the red flower on it, which was the f- the reference to the evil queen's original costume when she interrupted Snow and Charming's wedding. Like, it's all connected, girl. So, mm. you know, that's all I can really tell you. Um, and also, too, while we're on the subject of that and the fact that Facilia showed up right at that moment, the necklace that he took, was that the same necklace that she was wearing in the pilot oh, as the queen? That's the what big I brooch? No, that is what I thought. That's what I thought. Staring at, I'm like, I'm like, I know that. Yeah. Because well, well, he's like, well, this little trinket is like, looks, and he was saying, like, looks familiar to you or whatever. Like, I, he basically was like, like, yeah, this was yours at one point. And I'm staring at him like, was that, was that, like, from her, the, you know, the, the, the most famous of Evil Queen outfits where, you know, from the pilot where she, dun, well, dun, I mean, dun, I don't dun, know if it's dun, the dun, most. Dun, dun. I'm like, I almost want to pull up a picture and look. I mean. No, it seriously is. It's the same one. It's like the. It's like it's big because I remember that necklace distinctly because it's not on like a chain or anything. It's almost on like a black kind of like it's a, a ribbon. It's a almost. ribbon. It's and like, it looks a, like a big yeah. Christmas ornament. It, right. Like it, it's like a big silver like like Thanks. Madame Leota's ass should be in that. Like that's what <laughs> it looks like. So there, you know, I mean, that's that's what I totally got out of that. I was like, interesting. okay, interesting. Right. So I was like, so again, going back to the whole thing, we're playing back to the Evil Queen's original, like her, the roots of the Evil Queen here. Like, that's where we're at with everything. So I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying. So, I mean, I just, yeah, the costuming was great choices there. I also love the fact that Henry wears a blue doublet or whatever it's called to go along with Cinderella's, like, blue and blue. That's really sweet. I love costuming stuff like that. It's just, I mean, I don't know. I guess clothes are like my thing fashion. Imagine that. A gay guy being all about the clothes. <laughs> mm. What a stretch. And again, too, like the fact that Henry has a podcast now yeah. and that like Sabine was listening to the podcast and he has a blog called H-Town and, you know, all of that was just so it's hip, it's today, it's now, it's modern, it's happening. Like, honey, what's all this? What's going on? What's all this about? Like, it was very much, like, everybody has a podcast now. So, I just thought that that was fantastic. I was missing Drizella in this episode. I'd like to know well, what's going on with her. The preview looks like we're going to be getting a lot of her ass. It looks like that. it. Yeah. Um, and I did see what you were talking about earlier with Maui's hook, too. When we were talking about it before we started the podcast and you had mentioned that, you know, Maui's hook was in the preview because I haven't seen that yet. I was I did see the preview and saw it and I was like, oh, OK, well, we are doing the Moana thing, which I mean, we'll see how that plays out. Like it may just be a visual reference and that's all. But I have a feeling it might actually play well, a part I mean, in the story. That's the thing, though, is that like with that, I mean, that is. Mm, that's a weird place to be in, in my opinion. I'll allow it. I mean, if we can do Hades and the Greek gods, I don't see why we can't do Polynesian ones too. Well, because, I mean, there's there's still a lot of, like... Or Hawaiian. I don't know exactly what Maui, like, who it is for Maui, but, yeah. But there's still, like, a lot of 
reverence currently towards those gods. So it's kind of. I see the. I see your point. There's a distinction there. I see your point. It's just it to me. It's like it's like I'm a little like "Mm, this is a weird territory. Where are we going with this? But it could just like you said a visual reference. Um, And because honestly, like the only way that they could portray Maui on the show is you have to go call the Rock and put a wig on his head and be like, all right, you're Maui now. I mean, you're Maui, but like you like you can't you you can't you can't you can't. (laughs) So quick, somebody call the Rock. Um, but I'm called Wayne. I'm excited. Um, because it looks like, I mean, we're getting another pirate into the mix and it looks like it's one of my favorites. Uh, looks like we're getting long John silver and I am so about that because I love treasure Island. I love, I, I, treasure planet is one of the most underrated Disney movies ever. And I will fight anybody who wants to, uh, Atlantis is also up there, so I will not have that fight. Oh, Atlantis is totally up there. I I will fight anybody who says that Treasure Planet isn't a good movie, except for um, Martin Short's character. I kind of fast-forward through those parts. But everything else is really good. See, Treasure Planet's one that I haven't seen all the way through yet. Oh, I saw that in the theater three times. You've seen Treasure Planet three times in the movie theater, and you haven't seen Tangled once? Um, Not even once? Tangled doesn't have the voice of Tony J as the narrator. Tangled doesn't have badass lady space captain pirates and spaceport floozies and and pirates. It needs more pirates. Pirates. Are what are you doing? P.S. By the way, I actually say like when I'm talking in regular conversation, like what are you doing? Like I say it like that because that's how Jeffrey Rush says it in. Whichever pirate movie it was where he's arguing with Kevin. what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, no, what are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we have an accord. So, I just think that, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm hyped for that. Also, um, Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, totally, Muppet Treasure Island. Tim Curry, hilarious. Um, (laughs) Or however he laughs. It's kind of like that. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Yeah, it's very like It's, it's that. Yeah, it's it, that's what it is, yeah. Um yep, You know who's in that? Jennifer Saunders. Shut up. She's the Oh she's she the, is, she's the barkeep. She's like, how does she bloody do that? Yeah, but tomorrow with roast suckling and then the pig's trying, she's like, potatoes. Roast suckling potatoes. Potatoes. Yep, Billy Connolly totally. isn't that like Billy Connolly. What are you doing? But Billy also... Connolly isn't that movie. He's f- oh my god, dude. Billy Bonds. All right. Billy Bonds. I am blind pew. Yeah, I am blind pew. I have something for you. I have something Here for you. you. Here you go. Oh my god, it's just so oh, good. But the best it's is so Sam good. Sam Eagle as uh, Mr. Arrow. It's like old Tom. Hi. Really old Tom. Real old Tom. Hi. Hi. Dead, Dead Tom. Tom. Hi. Big fat bug face baby O'Brien. Hi. Angel. Hi. And he's, who hired this crew? That's so probably that one of my favorite. That's actually one of my favorite Muppet moments when he's like, big fat ugly bug face baby eating O'Brien. Yeah, and then it's the. Big fat I- bug face baby eating. Get it right. Excuse me, script supervisor. My apologies. 
So it's that, and then it's just like you know the basically like the wench steps up, if you will, and it's, and it's all deep. Hi, and then the reaction of Kermit and Sam the Eagle afterwards is like they just drop their mouths open. It's just one of the funniest things. Like See, that's the thing: the Muppets always did visual very well. Oh my god, I love that movie so hard. I need to watch that soon. Lolly that's probably like we'll walk the plank. That's my favorite Muppet movie is Muppet Treasure Island. And then um, Muppets Take Manhattan. But, yeah. It's like, um, who hired this crew? Mr. Bimbledon. <laughs> Mr. Bimbledon lives on my finger. finger. <laughs> Sailing for adventure on the big blue wet thing. <laughs> on the big blue wet thing. And everyone just looks at him. And then when <laughs> the job... So I've good. got cabin fever. I've got it too. I've got it too. We've got we've got cabin fever. We're you flipping fur. our bandanas. So that's the like I said. That's the movie Treasure uh, Treasure Island. Um, available right, yeah. in theaters near you. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, I love that movie so hard. It's just so great. Oh my god. So, okay. but like, the, the point of that was <laughs> to see Long John Silver. Right, that's that was the main point. Twenty years ago, that was the point. Oh my god, it's so. (laughs) All right, everybody, that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Thank you, as always, for sticking with us um, and listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. We'll be back next time with our read of the next chapter of the show, which is, of course, Nightfall, written by Jerome Schwartz and Miguel Ian Rea, directed by Steve Miner. Um, and that airs tomorrow. Well, when we're recording it, at least we're recording Thursday. So that airs tomorrow. So, yeah, guys, um, again, thank you very much, and we will see you next time. All right. See you next time, guys. Yes. Are you ready? Are you ready? You can blame my friends on the other side. You got what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.